Here we go. The Earth Fox Podcast. Welcome to the Earth Fox Podcast. With four oh four. Missing link. Yeah, he's a great man, by the way. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And visit us at vox404.com. Enjoy the show. Well, I, you know I like to start this show with uh, really attention-grabbing content right from the get-go. So what did you have for breakfast this morning? <laughs> oh, this morning? I actually uh, had some Weetabix, and I had a banana with it. Oh, man, that's my uh, roommate from New Zealand. He used to eat that all the time. And we, uh, here in the States, we call it uh, shredded wheat. Ah, uh, cool. Yeah, I have the cheap version from a like a local cheap store. It's not called Weetabix. It's the same shit, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta do that these days with you know with inflation and everything. You gotta buy generic. Dude, it's the same shit. Do you it's have uh, do you have Scott Brand toilet paper? I don't think so. Although I would imagine everybody in the United States knows what Scott Brand toilet paper is. Yeah. Uh, it, I feel like then I definitely don't know that. It's the cheapest, thinnest, single ply, like worst. <laughs> I mean, they they put better toilet paper in public outhouses. Oh, that's saying something too. And and everybody knows that it's terrible, uh, except for my wife, evidently, who bought uh, the the chub pack of Scott <laughs> Scott toilet paper a few months ago. For the very reason, Infl- you know, inflation is crazy. The price of everything is insane. And she's looking for ways to save money, which I greatly appreciate. I actually haven't had breakfast this morning. My, my breakfast is uh, in this coffee cup. And that's, I mean, that's probably the way it'll stay. I think, I think food is overrated. Yeah. Especially American that? food. American food is trash. It's impossible. So I, I was listening to, uh, actually, I think I was just scrolling YouTube, y- YouTube shorts. It's like uh, one of my guilty pleasures. It's basically TikTok without being TikTok. Cause I couldn't, I mean, I preach a lot of this, you know, cancel your Netflix cause Netflix is a terrible woke company and cancel your Disney plus cause of the same reason. And don't put your content on YouTube and don't send your, uh, you know, your your viewers and your followers to YouTube because YouTube is owned by Google, which is an evil empire, which we'll get into. But I do like to scroll some YouTube shorts at the end of the night before I'm going to bed. It's just, you know, on one hand, I think YouTube should fail as a company for their cultural meddling. But on the other on the other hand, I'm very supportive of content creators being one myself. And if they're going to put their stuff on YouTube, I mean, they still should be supported, I think. So that presents an interesting quandary. But I was scrolling YouTube and I found this guy, Gary Brecka, who's talking about why you, well, let's just play the clip. You want to get organic get organic sources that are not fortified or enriched. I hear people say all the time, you know, it's crazy, Gary. I eat a sandwich here and I blow up like a tick or I have a slice of pizza here and I blow up like a tick. But I went to Italy for 14 days 
and I ate like a pig. I ate pasta. I ate, um, I ate flour. I ate French baguettes and I was fine. Right. Well, because that bread doesn't have, first of all, seed oils, and it also doesn't have high amounts of folic acid. And if you think 44% of the population has this gene mutation, that means 44% of kids have this gene mutation. Mm -hmm. You think about what we feed kids before they go off to school. I mean, a standard American diet. Um, Pop-tarts, white bagels, cereal, cereal, PBJ. If you pump that much folic acid into a child with that gene mutation, it will be a full contact sport to get them in the car to go to school. (laughs) By the way, do you do these tests for kids too? No question. Yes. Okay. Um, In fact, I think my kids are four and two. Yeah. I mean, as soon as they can chew and swallow, um, you know, then you can on their own, then you can, you know, you can do this test and you can have it. An okay. impact on them. It also tells you kind of how to guide their diet. Right. And, um, and then to your point, you know, I, I often find myself in this debate when we talk about low carbohydrate diets, but understand that there are, um, essential fatty acids, right? I mean, essential means they're necessary for life. Right. There's two of them. So I took this guy at his advice. And I got some of the supplements, not the supplements he was selling. Cause I don't I watch a lot of movies. In oh no. On the train. Goddamn <laughs> YouTube. They should <laughs> fail as a company. They want, they want, yeah, they should. They should go to hell. <laughs> so this, this guy, he wasn't selling supplements, if, if I remember correctly. But he was recommending. Uh, one, one thing being uh, uh, trimethylglycine and another source of folate. Because apparently, some pharmaceutical lobby was uh lobbying the federal government to spray all of our wheat supply with folic acid and it's in all of the enriched flour that goes into almost everything and i gotta say i've been feeling much much better since i started taking these supplements it's only been a couple of weeks Oh, really? And I've been trying to stay away because, I mean, I've been having these health problems. And I, you know, which sort of just uh, manifested as like heartburn at first, like uh, and and then going through like the whole journey of a food journal, for example, to try and figure out what is. What is it that is affecting my health like what am i eating that's affecting me in this negative way and i eventually narrowed it down to bread and so i thought okay i must be gluten i must have a gluten thing gluten sensitivity or intolerance or whatever so i stopped yeah, eating right, bread right right and all, all of the issues went away the problem is i love bread yeah so I was abstaining and, you know, like one day a week I would have a meal that had bread, you know, hamburgers or sandwiches or something. And I was generally okay because just, you know, small dose, not a big deal. Even if I got, you know, woke up in the middle of the night with heartburn, had to eat some antacid or something, not a big deal. And then I found this guy and I thought, son of a bitch. That's exactly because it was really hard to determine on my own, you know, without going to a nutritionist who, of course, I wouldn't trust anything they told me anyway. So what's the point? It still seemed like 
maybe bread wasn't the thing that was bothering me. So I thought, okay, well, maybe it's the, it must be some ingredients in the bread. And then before I even heard this guy, I thought to myself, it must be something. And this is literally what I thought. Of course, it sounds unbelievable, but this is literally what I thought. I thought, you know, they're spraying all of this, they're, they're spraying chemicals all over the wheat, you know, uh, herbicides and pesticides. And the things that we would normally, I mean, this is why they tell you to wash your vegetables, right? Because they spray all the pesticides. They don't wash the fruit very well before they package it up and put it on the shelves. So it's a good idea to wash your apple, get the rest of the, the pesticides and herbicides off of it, not to mention whatever the, you know, the farm worker had all over his hands when he was picking the apple at the time. Uh, well, I thought, okay, if, if a company is buying this wheat, I mean, well, first of all, it's likely that the same company that's using the, the flour in the manufacture of these, you know, prepared food products also owns the land and the farm that cultivates and harvests the wheat, because that's just kind of how business is done at that high level. Well, how much effort are they going to, is this company going to put into cleaning all of the chemicals off of its wheat before it goes to, you know, be ground into flour and turned into Pop-Tarts? Well, probably not very much effort. Why? Because effort costs money and all of these companies just want to make as much money as they can. It's not the worst. I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty solid business strategy, (laughs) but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't mean that their food is healthy for the individuals that are eating it, because that we have to recognize is probably far down the list of priorities for this company, you know, customer health and satisfaction, especially when the, uh, you know, parent company is someone like uh, Procter and Gamble or Pfizer, who would love, who would love to see a few more health problems crop up in the population so that they could write a few more or so that they could fill a few more prescriptions. But the, only, the reason that I bring it up is because I am, he, he, so this guy, Gary Brecka, he claims that 44% of human beings have this gene that doesn't allow them to process these synthetic chemicals that go into enriched flour, you know, uh, folic acid being one of them and that is what is citations did he have any citations any receipts for that or well that's i mean that's a that's a good question um because this guy's actually a lawyer and not a health professional interesting but he's he's gone down this path because of all the legal proceedings that he's been involved in that are directly related to these chemicals going into the food. And I, I have to, I'm, I only bring this up because not, I mean, not because I feel that this guy has a sterling reputation and is beyond reproach, but because I've taken his advice and have experienced a tremendous improvement in not just my, you know, gastrointestinal health, 
but also like clarity and and just you know you you wake i mean well i don't even know if you experience this you wake up in the morning and you feel brain fog you feel uh Mm -hmm. just kind of you know these are all products of inflammation and the number one cause of inflammation in americans is the american diet and i hesitate to suggest that you experience these same things because well i don't know how clean your diet is but you actually went to the cupboard and got a package of cheap bread and you yeah, found yeah. none of this junk in it no no th- th- this would be so i was we were speaking before the show started and this is uh, what is this for the for all the receipts that we have here i'm sure you can hear it r- rustling i love it this is uh <laughs> this is just a loaf of hovis seeded and it literally says on the packet, no artificial preservatives, and which is basically, everyone says this now in, in shops because people won't buy shit anymore if, if it has all that random shit in it. But this, this is something you can find in any shop and buy it. And it, it doesn't cost much more or any much more than to just like the bog standard bread. And on the back, I, you, I can see on the ingredients that is, as they've said, stated, there is really no artificial preservatives. The only thing that they've added to the flour um, is calcium, iron, vitamin B3, vitamin B1. And then right down the end, they added a treatment agent, which was vitamin C. So, And the rest of it was just seeds and just stuff like water and yeast and sea salt etc etc so it it has it's really basic it it would be probably very similar to what you'd find in freshly baked bread where they just get flour and water and yeast and whatever else you want in the bread and just make it so it's kind of interesting and there's no i mean not only is there no uh, enrichment i mean because that's the ingredient that you have to watch out for enriched flour because that's what comes with all of those synthetic nutrients that cause all of the health. I mean, I don't know about all of the health problems, but many of the health problems that we experience in the United States. But it also doesn't have any vegetable oil, canola oil, sunflower oil, safflower yeah, yeah. oil, any of these, these seed oils that are creating a market for the pharmaceutical industry, in my opinion. And I've yeah, had do you this. Remember in COVID, I don't know if you had this in America, but in COVID times, uh, we had a shortage, I believe, of either sunflower oil, I, no, vegetable oil. We had a shortage of vegetable oil. And so they would supplement the vegetable oil with rapeseed oil, but put it in the same container that said vegetable oil on it. So oh. all the shops had to have a disclaimer saying that a lot of the vegetable oil will actually be rapeseed oil. And if you have a sensitivity to rapeseed oil, you should not buy the vegetable oil. One thing that really pissed me off about that was, first of all... That it's called like, rapeseed. How... <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, dude, I was like, <laughs> how the fuck is that allowed? Uh, first of all, I, why, why not just, just not sell the vegetable oil at all and just have it repackaged as, as rapeseed oil would just write rapeseed oil on it? Like, that's just... It just fucked me up. I was like, that's crazy. Because some people aren't going to see that disclaimer. And then they're going to get fucked up. And then they're going to, what the fuck? I don't like vegetable oil anymore or something. And they, you know, because that's the, that, you don't imagine going into a shop and buying something and it's not exactly what it says it is. So, and then. Well, and they do the same thing with uh, olive oil. 
Because right. olive oil, like it's like olive oil and avocado oil, and I think peanut oil. I mean, I'm going down right. the list from from most ideal to least ideal, but those like <laughs> those kinds of oils are better. Like olive oil is the number one. Like they sit. Yeah, like, it's gorgeous. The, the nutritionists say you should only be like butter or olive oil, and um. They, but they'll, they'll take like some of these shady companies will take olive oil, you know, 51% olive oil and then cut it with, you know, rapeseed oil, which we call canola oil over here. It's been, it's Ah, been rebranded. Is that what that is? Yeah. How clever. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that's what it was over there. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Well, you know, the thing is they never, when COVID kind of like came to an end or something like that, you know, it, it wasn't. Funnily enough, there wasn't like a, a, an ending to it, was there? It was kind of like a gradual, you know. Yeah, well, reset. they just all looked over their shoulders and said, hey, nobody's paying attention anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the funny thing about it was is they never like did a disclaimer to say that the vegetable had gone back. So I don't know when the shortage ended of vegetable oil and they changed it back from rapeseed oil. I don't really know when that happened. I don't think anyone knows when that happened. But I remember there being a time when there was um, a shortage. And I know rapeseed oil or the canola oil, it just kind of sucks. Like, I know it. they use it a lot for, um, like, baking stuff in, like, uh, what is it? Like, big industrial, like, baking type deals for cakes and whatever. Yeah. Because it's a really good oil for that. It's really efficient and stuff like that. I, I know why. Everyone grows it here in the UK, and then it gets immediately exported because <laughs> we don't use it much. Um, well, it used to so. be used uh, when it was called rapeseed oil, and you you can still find rapeseed on some packaging. It'll still say that, but it was used as a lubricant in in you know World War II era machinery. Oh, really. And then the, I guess the war ended and they thought, well, we've got all this machine lubricant. Let's put it in the food. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. Yeah, because I mean, my diet is very simple. Like I have my cereal in the morning, which probably has the most, you know, exposure to wheat that I have during the day, you know, with my Weetabix and whatever that stuff has in it. Um, I think it's fairly organic. It's really just super basic. Well, that's you know, actually one way banana. to... Uh, ensure that your food isn't going to have any of that crap in it is buy organic because generally so so like one of our foods in in my house that we enjoy is is tortillas we like to you know make burritos and things oh cool nice and it is nearly impossible to find uh you know packaged tortillas that don't that aren't made with enriched flour but last really? night, That's as really a matter of fact, I found a package of organic tortillas, no enriched flour. So I bought two packages because otherwise we have to, I mean, it's, it's, we will make our own tortillas at home, which is pretty easy and, and kind of fun actually. But it tells me that there's just more like every day more and more credibility towards this idea my idea i guess that that we're doing it wrong as people and we've opened ourselves up to this 
culture where everything has to be fast, everything has to be packaged and ready to eat. And of course, uh, you know, mom had to go to work all day because, uh, you know, inflation and, and the cost of living and, and the dismal wages that everyone earns. So she doesn't have time for a home to, you know, to create a home cooked meal for the family after she's worked eight, nine, 10 hours, she's got to get something packaged, but we have this federal drug administration that's supposed to keep us healthy. You know, we have a, a the United States department of agriculture, which is supposed to monitor the quality of the things that we eat. But these billion dollar corporations have gone, oh, come on, FDA. What if we just give you, you know, a million dollars towards your budget? Can't you just say that this rapeseed oil is okay to put in all the food? I mean, we promise it's fine. And, and then decades later, we learn, oh, yeah, the reason that you have uh, uh, attention deficit disorder and uh, anxiety and depressive disorders um, it's we, really, it's just, uh, because you have, a chemical imbalance in your brain and you need to take these pills for the rest of your life. How convenient, how convenient for, yeah, for the sure. manufacturers of these pharmaceuticals that, oh, well now they have customers for life. And I mean, you can see examples of the same kind of shady behavior through many corporations that aren't even involved with food and, and in this capitalist, I mean, I, I hesitate to even call it a problem with capitalism. I really think it's more a problem with the stock market and shareholders. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But we clearly as soon have as you go public. As soon as you go public as a company, you open yourself up to so many problems. Um, you know, obviously going public is great because you raise a lot of money very quickly and it's easy to raise money that way. Uh, but, then, but then you become beholden to the shareholders. And that's quite difficult compared to being in a private company with, you can, have, you can be a private company with investors and have a board, sure. But quite often the amount of power that they have can be negotiated way better than being public. Because being public, you have to post all your financial records publicly. You got to comply with the SEC, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's way more transparency around the financial uh, performance of a company. So, yeah, that's when that's that's why most like public traded companies they just don't give a shit about anything other than just money. Yeah, and they and and the money has to come from somewhere because you're still selling the same product. I mean, granted, inflation will go up a bit, and you'll have to increase your price, but that doesn't increase your earnings. You have to take from the quality of the product or that you have to take from the quality of the job that you offer to your employees. And that's, I mean, this is probably as lefty communist as I get when we start talking about corporations and how they have uh, free reign and, not, and there's legislation in the United States that says, oh, these companies have the same rights as people so we can't uh infringe on their ability to do business too much unless i mean we're talking about deregulation in which case 
they can have as few regulations or as few enforcements or as I mean, as little enforcement as they want, depending on how much they're contributing to political campaigns and or pushing cultural narratives, which is now kind of the, the their whole function. It, it's it's really messed up, though. Like I, I always, you know, rail on about how it's it's fascism, it's fascism. But we've we're, we're learning so much every day about how the government and big corporations have been colluding to uh, at mani- well, I'll say manipulate to stay kind of nice about it. Manipulate the the culture, manipulate the middle class, the the entire population. But I wonder when it comes to things like uh, you know. LGBTQ culture, if it's really, I mean, because like Bill Maher had this uh, comment, you know, many months ago about how the the LGBTQ population in schools, in high schools in California is something like 30%, like 30% of the student body identifies as some kind of alternate sexuality. Yeah, of course they do. But in Ohio, it's like 3%. That's funny. And he says, okay, so what is going on in California? If it's really, because the argument with, with this explosion of, of alternate sexualities, it's isolated to you know, places like California and New York and people say, oh, well, that's just because these progressive neighborhoods are creating safe environments for these children to come out as they really are. Okay. If that's the case, why isn't it like that in Texas? Why, why not? That that is like the most 2D like look at something I've ever heard. Well, that's Bill Maher for you. Is, isn't the obvious answer that because those areas are more left-leaning, they attract other left-leaning people to go there in the beginning, then they have families, and then those left-leaning people have children that are also left-leaning? Like, I thought, the, I thought so many people go to L.A., right? You're not going to find a super conservative guy going to L.A. to start a family. That, that, that's just not a thing. That's a fa- so I surely, mean, that's a fair assessment. It's like, it's so, you know, if you think about, you know, back to the 60s and 70s with the hippie movement, right? You know, that was the same thing. Why are all the hippies in California? Well, because California ends up being, you know, this cool hippie place. It attracts more fucking hippies, like a, like a magnet. And so you get more left-leaning people in a, in a, in an area. It's just, you know, it's like, it's a snowball effect than it is like, oh, California just happens to not persecute hippies or something or not persecute lgbtq people and the rest of the u.s is this giant jail in which they don't want to move or daren't come out it's like no if someone wants to come out and have a and and like and like feel like they want to be around other people they're going to move just like people are now moving away from california because they feel like it's not for them and to back up my point as well, if you have more people that aren't of that sort of like thinking leaving, then sure, the percentage of those people that think a certain way is going to go up. So if you have like, 
loads of people that like aren't gay or something, they don't want to hang around in LA, they want to go somewhere else, then the percentage of gay people left back in California is going to be higher. So it's, it's just a numbers thing, man. It's just, it's just a numbers thing. Well, that's, I mean, I, I appreciate that assessment. And there's, I mean, there is more nuance. I think people are concerned because they're not liberal and their children are coming home and saying, I think I'm a boy if they're, when they're a little girl, you know, or, or their little boy is coming home and saying, I, uh, I think I'm a girl and they don't know where it's coming from because here, here's the issue that I have with the chan- the transgender movement as it is today. And that's that we don't just allow people to be comfortable with who they are. It's, I mean, there's elements of conformity. There's elements of aversion to abnormality. And one of the things that I appreciate about the movement is that there is at least uh, an underlying effort to create this narrative that says, just leave him alone. He feels better. He feels more comfortable when he wears clothes that are traditionally meant for women. Okay, leave him alone. He, he feels better that way. It's not his fault. It's the simulation's fault. The simulation put a female uh, menta- you know, uh, mentality into a male body. Oops. Let's just leave him alone. But where does this narrative come from that says, okay, we, we have to put him on hormone blockers and cut off his appendages because he's a woman and we're going to make him a woman. Well, no, he's not a woman and that's confusing. Just let him. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely agree with that. I would definitely agree. There, there's definitely like layers to, to that where the state is obviously engaging in behaviors that do not help the situation. And that's, that's the motivations that I question. And, and that is what makes yeah. this effort so insidious is that it's not innocent. It's not telling people to just accept individuals for who they are and leave them alone. He, hey, he's attracted to men. Okay. Leave him alone. Is he attracted to you? Okay. Well, tell him you're not interested and move on with your life. He's not bothering you. Leave him alone. He wants to wear a dress. Leave him alone. But it's gone beyond that into this crazy cultural perversion that is really, I mean, in my opinion, a lot of this stuff, which if we have time, I'll get into, is geared toward agitation of the majority population. But what do you make of uh, this Guardian article? Uh, Scottish court rules UK government veto of gender recognition bill was lawful. I have so many questions. Tell me oh, what's going so, on. Okay, so Nicola Sturgeon, the previous leader of the Scottish National Party, which is the one that's currently in power in Scotland, she had like a landmark policy around self-identification for people. So you could self-identify as whatever you wanted, and that would be like a legal thing that you could do. Um, Alarm bells were ringing. Yeah, because there's a few issues. And the reason why the conservatives wanted to veto that is because essentially you could like just self-identify as a woman 
then you would go to a female prison as a guy that presents obvious some obvious issues and that's creating well as, a lot of problems in the united states yeah so it's 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 less about like oh i want to be whatever i want it was like legally you could say you were something and then go into areas that would be protected for certain genders let's say and it you know it works both ways right so that was the reason why the conservatives wanted to veto that and so the conservatives said no you're not doing that because the way the law works in the uk is is there's this thing called devolution where there are some things that Scotland can do on its own and there's some things that it can't and it needs parliament or the UK government to, to approve or do uh, instead. Um, and the UK government does have veto power on some things that the Scottish government want to do. They don't have on other issues. I don't know to what extent they are. I don't know that law very, very well. But what ended up happening is, is the Conservatives shot that down. They said no. And so the Scottish National Party decided to take it to the Supreme Court to say, hey, can they do this? And the Supreme Court said, yes, the UK government can veto this particular bill that they put in. And that's where it stands today. It really is a massive failure for Nicola Sturgeon. Um, I think she has, I mean, she's now not in power. And there's been this whole criminal thing that's happened where she was interviewed from some like money that went missing. And, you know, her exit from the party was just so bad. And this is a massive blow to Hamza Youssef, who's the current leader, who, by the way, is a ginormous racist. Um, well, she's Muslim, I, 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 isn't she? Nicola, no. No. Hamza Youssef is, yes. Yeah, He's that, a guy, though. He's a guy. He's a guy. That's kind of, uh, well, how he identifies as a guy or... I'm, he I'm, is I'm a guy. Playing. I'm just He's 100% a guy. Uh, I That's don't just really kind of know. the thing with, with Muslims. I, I think we're learning not to veer into that conversation. No, but I, I do feel like I don't know how that works because I know a lot of Muslims and they would not vote for Hamza Yusuf because of the, the things that he believes in certain ways. Um, because it, it goes further than you do what you want to do and we won't get involved. It's like, nah, we're going to like go all the way. And like, if you say anything bad about this, then you're like, you know, anti this and anti that. And he it's just he pulls the, the race left. card. Yeah. He, he pulls the race card anytime he gets. And he's just a super dickhead to like everyone. Uh, I cannot Man, believe that that's the a SMP good Muslim. got him in. <laughs> Dude, it's like he, he's just he's just an asshole, um, and it's just I, I don't I don't I don't really I don't really get it. But the, Nicola Sturgeon is finished. Um, she's out of the party, and the SNP in itself is absolutely finished. They have, I mean, they lost some by elections recently. It was just horrible for them, absolutely horrible. And the Conservatives and Labour in the next election are going to pick them apart like they're a dying corpse on the road, you know, like roadkill or something. It's going to be just a massacre for the SNP, primarily because they didn't deliver on the uh, independence vote. And they still want to deliver on that, even though no one in Scotland wants to do it. OK, they don't want to do it. They keep fucking banging on about it and saying a vote for the SNP is a vote for independence. That is so rude of them to do that. Could you imagine if Joe Biden or Donald Trump said, if a vote for me is a vote to like 
do like a one policy thing. That is outrageous because basically you're just giving the entire population an ultimatum uh, by saying, if you don't vote for me, then obviously you want Scotland to be in the UK, irregardless of all the other policies they want to do. So this, the SNP could have some crazy shit policy, but you as a citizen feel like, well, fuck, I, I better vote for them. Otherwise, you know, we won't be independent and I'll have to eat the fact that they want to do like mass surveillance or something or that, this, that and the other. And I hate that. So any party that does those one policy things has like an immediate hatred from me. And I'm glad that people are responding to that by basically telling the SNP to get fucked. It's amazing. And it's working in real time. And this is something that I, that I struggle with because I want to believe, I mean, the right conservatism, uh, libertarianism, freedom loving people are seemingly experiencing some victories. And, and this is one thing that I wanted to ask you. Yeah. If you think that we are as a Western culture, if we are you know, rising from the ashes, netting these victories and, and this being an indication that we are winning over, over the left, over these leftist authoritarian, uh, you know, new world order policies. Sure. Or if you think things are getting worse or if if we're right in the middle of it and it and it remains to be seen or if there's still dark roads ahead i think honestly there's dark roads ahead especially for the uk because i believe the victories we're having aren't necessarily totally victories they're just deflections okay we're maintaining the status quo and that functions more into the overall stagnation that is the western complex right you know we're not growing I mean, this, this month, the UK economy went down 0.3%. So we're in recession, wow. uh, even though it went up 0.2% last quarter. So it's like, it, instead of seeing some actual victories and some actual movement in any real areas, all we're doing now is instead of going down further the left route, we're just saying no and just maintaining where we are right now, um, which is fine to some degree. But ultimately, we've come a long way, the wrong way in some aspects, and you would hope that we would go the other way at some point, or we would try something new, or try something that's worked before, that's worked perfectly fine before, um, but we're not doing that. Oh, we're, man. It's, it's, that's so interesting, because it was like we were discussing before the show, how the left has this agenda, whether it's in Britain yeah. or the United States, it's pulling towards this new world order. Well, the, yeah. the right also uh, apparently shares the same sort of characteristics in that they are they seemingly contented to just sit still and yeah, not I mean like, definitely on our, our right side, the conservatives, I mean they they're being incredibly careful right now with any major moves that they do. Last night, I was watching the vote on the Rwanda bill, which was hilariously named the Rwanda Safety Bill, which is a bill <laughs> that they designed to basically declare Rwanda as a safe country so legally they can send people there. Um, 
and you know that everything they're doing right now is, is just, just so boring uh just so stagnant just everything and they're walking right into a labor win next year uh because they have no political capital left and i feel like the the same is true for many uh right-leaning uh parties in europe as well as in america that really we're seeing you know there's a few people that want to see some serious change on the right. Um, but for the most part, it's mostly just like they're just holding up the shield to the left and just trying to like smash away their advances on certain things. No, don't do this. No, don't, don't do that. And I get it to some degree because conservatism is about like, you know, keeping things sort of the same and, and conserving, uh, you know, policy in the way things are. Um, but considering the amount of change we've had in the last 10 years, we do need some more voices that are going to go, hey, look, this has gone a little bit too far. You know, fiscally, we have way too much debt. Education-wise, we're way too complicated. Um, the university system is completely broken, and it's some socialistic, you know, echo chamber. Uh, there are things that are happening that we need movement on, and I'm not seeing anyone that's willing to really have a conversation about any of those single issues we can we can have you know a single issue thing and then have a few policies that kind of you know go towards sorting out some of those problems but for the most part from the conservatives and any other like real right-leaning thing it's just like okay let's put the brakes on yeah and then just leave it there yep you nailed it that i mean then that's exactly the sentiment about the the conservatives in the united states it's their the left does something terrible and instead of trying to push back and gain ground, it seems that they are m more interested in just calming down their constituency. Right. Like, hey, don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. And then they do, you know, what, what you were illustrating earlier. Pacification. It's, mm. it's, and, and this is where, I mean, th this is my opinion on, on kind of the state of things. Like, w we have, uh, uh, libertarian victory in argentina and we get javier millet but now we have uh this oh god wh what's his name it, oh shit of course i'm of course i'm forgetting the guy the guy in poland tusk oh yeah donald tusk yeah who's uh, a socialist isn't he he's not he's uh... not a conservative at at least it's not he's not a conservative, but he's not a leftist either. I, you know, if I was to really say what he is, he's probably a center left guy. Um, that's pretty perfect for like the whole U EU ecosystem, a little bit like an Angela Merkel. That would be probably where I put him at. I don't think Angela Merkel was held in very high regard by conservatives, um, but I she, I only she, started she paying attention. She had some bad decisions for sure, but the way that she governed, I think, is a little bit like I see the way Donald Tusk is is going to govern. Even though I believe that policy wise, they're probably a little bit different. I'm and I'm not one of these people that thinks that we have to have uh, hard right conservatism all across the world. I feel like we need. Strong voices from the left and strong voices from the right to create policy that lands in the middle because forcing beliefs on people is is one of the, the biggest problems that we have in the world.
and it comes yeah. from politics, it comes from religion, it now comes from this sort of uh, atheistic leftist religion that's all about identity and, and race and sexuality. And I, I really feel like it's a product, that these are products of the left pushing us into a one world order. Like, like this is the ultimate goal because we have immigration out of control all across the Western world. It's not just at the Southern border of America. I mean, they want to stop the small boats in the UK. That's like, yeah, they do campaign slogans. It really is. Rishi Sunak doesn't shut up about the fucking small boats. And you know what? Rishi Sunak is so fucking weak as a leader that the small boats are winning. Okay. <laughs> like, he is being defeated systematically by small rubber fucking boats. Okay. There's a very simple solution to this, Rishi. It's just let them in the normal fucking Build way. Build the wall. Oh, wait. Yeah, let, no, let them in the fucking normal way and then you can deal with them. And then you cut out all the fucking, you know, people smugglers or human traffickers or whatever you want, okay? Or you go, you know, full fascist and just start putting fucking, you know, miniguns and, and whatever the hell you want to do on the beach and deal with it that way. But uh, <laughs> I don't imagine that's going to work because the amount of asylum seekers we have is not a reflection of us necessarily, but a reflection of what's going on in the rest of the world, right? When the world does poorly, where do you think that people want to go live? They don't want to go live in fucking Syria or India or Pakistan. They want to come live here because there's shit going on. There's nothing going on in, in Bangladesh. There's nothing going on in India. There's nothing going on in Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan. There well, is stuff going on in America. There's stuff going on in the UK and there's stuff going on in the Western world and people want to come here. Yeah, because it's so, awesome. Yeah, it's like way better. <laughs> like we have like running water and food and, and shit. It's, it's just it's just, it is the shit. We got problems, but compared to somewhere like fucking Nigeria, it's the shit, okay? Well, now what do you um, think about, well, I mean, what do you think about that concept? Because on one hand, I feel like, yes, you should be able to leave your shithole country, shout out Donald Trump, and go someplace <laughs> better. But on the other hand, shouldn't you also effort to improve the situation in your own country? I mean, ideally, yeah, sure. I, ideally, you know, people should stay and work on their own country. But that's like a very selfish, no, no, that's a very selfless way to look at it. And in some cases, it's just not possible within like a generational lifetime, um, as well as the fact that many of these countries have been destabled, destabilized, sorry, by us, which doesn't help. Yeah, by the West, uh, for sure. Yeah, so, you know, it's you look at somewhere like Syria... We blew that fucking place to smithereens, and now we've got a bunch of Syrian refugees. Cause and effect. Um, and we've and done the same at, thing in South America. Right. Cause and effect. And if you look at the Ukrainian refugees, Russia decided to invade, and now we have a bunch of Ukrainian refugees, you know, cause and effect. So uh, the, the, there are, you know, factors to consider here. And the real question is not not how do we deal with the small boats. The small boats is like such a bullshit thing, okay? There's not even that many people coming in as asylum seekers via small boats. They're making such a massive deal out of this shit. Like, we have, what was it? I, I think the number was 650,000 immigrants we had net, you know, in the last year, which is huge. That's yeah. like 10% of our, um, sorry, that's like 1% of our entire population coming in. 
at yeah, one time, which is which is big, right? Which is big. And our GDP still isn't growing either by 1%, which is alarming. Uh, but, you know, the asylum seekers make up probably 10% or less than that number. So they're making all of this massive hullabaloo around basically what is 10% of the overall immigration number. And they don't have a problem. Let's just be clear. They don't have a problem with the other 580,000 immigrants. They have a problem with the you know, 50 or 60,000 that are coming in as asylum seekers, which just absolutely blows my mind because um, I, I don't understand how the 50 or 60,000 asylum seekers is such a massive drain on the economy uh, that it requires... Like, is direct. Oh, no! I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah, all I was going to say was it, it, that, it, that it requires, I think they've now sent another additional 100 million to Rwanda to help support the asylum seekers we're going to send them. Like, how is that fiduciary, like, responsible to the taxpayers that, we're gonna, that we've already spent 200 million on this fucking program to send maybe a few thousand people to Rwanda? I just don't understand it. When really the problem is like, okay, we've got those people coming in. How do we support that? There's no support. There's no plan. Okay. With people coming in, how do we support that with more housing, affordable housing? How do we support that with people having to integrate, learn English, this, that, and the other? There's nothing around that. Um, how do we have programs in place that allow people to study here and then keep them? One of the problems that they're having in the conservatives right now with, with this immigration thing is they want to stop people staying after they've studied here, which to me is an absolute <laughs> fucking nightmare. If you imagine a, a foreign student, right, let's say from China, because most of them are, don't come from fairly, you know, decent countries, like, like class two countries, not like third, third world countries, because they can't afford it. It's extremely expensive. Not like here. They don't get like any government support. You have to pay like full whack, which is, a lot of money each year. So you're telling me you want someone that's highly educated from China to come to the UK and learn, and then you want them to go away after we've taught them everything we have to know rather I, than I, stay here? I can't believe a serious person really believes that. Like, you're going to invest all of this. And this is, I mean, I totally understand this argument. These people come across for america they come across the southern border they get uh all of these benefits they get a, a prepaid cell phone they get a debit card with with thousands of dollars on it they get a plane ticket or a bus ticket to go somewhere into the well I, i'm i i'm not happy about that i don't think that that's a good idea in fact i think we yeah. could i i think we're creating a lot of this in, immigration problem uh, our, ourselves by offering all of these benefits, but okay, I can get past that and and consider uh, shouldn't we get a little bit of return for this in, investment that we're? I mean, because in 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 theory, these people are going to go work on a farm where right. they're not going to be declared and they're not going to be paying taxes. So we should want them. I mean, after after they receive all of these benefits, we should want them to return some of their income into the tax system. If you're coming you know, from China into the UK and studying at a university and becoming a, a strong member of society, highly educated, able to greatly contribute to society, 
what serious person would say, no, no, go back and contribute to your own culture? Especially when, like... That's the argument they're making now. It's absolutely fucking insane. Do your universities get huge endowments from the federal government? Or... Um, well, well, they, they, I guess they do in the form of the tuition fees, but as I mentioned, foreign students do not get access to any of that. They have to pay far and above what we would pay, uh, tuition fees for, which in the UK is around 9,000 per term per that's per year. Um, they have to pay, I think at least double that, um, as a foreign student, which means that they have to take their own personal debt out or they have to get parents, you know, quite often it comes from their parents that they're paying for it. So, so we're, we're not even having to support these people. They pay their way. Right. So they're well, paying, especially like, if they're yeah, if they're a Chinese national with a good family who's sending them to university in the UK, like they got to yeah. be doing pretty well. Especially, right, I mean, already... can we just say how excellent Asian people, like the Asian culture is? I mean, not, not every Asian person, but come on, man. Their, their families stay together. They work hard. They, they want to come to the country and learn the language and integrate into the culture. And sure, maybe they want to steal intellectual property and send it back to their home country. <laughs> but before they but... get there... They're wonderful members of society. I mean, rivaling the gays, if I may. <laughs> Look, it's it, it's just it's just outrageous. Like, if you think about it, like you know, most of these people come from like Hong Kong, right? Hong Kong is like a huge like foreign intake for us for students, and a lot of them, if not most of them, never go back to Hong Kong. Never. Uh, most of the students that come here from other countries never go back. Because well, once they get here, they make friends, they like the culture, they don't want to go back, or maybe they send some money home, but whatever. You know, they're here, they're generating wealth for the country, they're extremely, extremely well-educated, and we actually have jobs that they can do. Quite often, they become so educated here, they can't even go back to China, because a lot of times in China, you know, vocational talents are more valued now, because most of it is manufacturing jobs. There aren't really, like, high-end computer science jobs in, in China anymore, because all the tech businesses are being crushed under the extreme weight of the CCP. So the idea that we are importing people, training them up, and then sending them back away just creates an anger in me that I don't really know how to contain, especially considering that this policy is like a serious thing that they want to implement with the other stuff that they want to do, getting rid of asylum seekers or something. I don't know why. I don't know why this is going on. This, this is just outrageously stupid. Well, I think it, it's, it's one of those uh, easily packageable uh, you know, campaign promises, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. going to stop the small boats. Easy. Boom. You like sends the message it's also kind of a virtue signal in that you know this i'm gonna stop the small boats and since that is my slogan you can you know you know right out of the gate that i'm a conservative so if i want to do if i want to stop the small boats well that insinuates that i also want to do you know want to push this conservative policy and want to see this conservative legislation go through but where, what is stopping an immigrant in the UK from uh, joining the military? 
because there uh, is there is a I s- sensation going through the United States right now, courtesy of yeah, Dick Durbin. Yeah. But I want to know before I play the clip, I want to know if, if you know, and if not, we'll cut this out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> what what are the requirements for joining the military in the UK? They're actually quite high. To be fair, I, my one of my friends from school has gone to join the, the army and it is quite intensive. You have to pass quite an intensive fitness exam as well as mental exams. Um, so it's very difficult for you to just join at a very base level. Uh, it's not like we're in war or something and they're just conscripting anyone. You actually have to be relatively intelligent and in really good fit condition and your English has to be like on point because communication is a, is a real big thing. And if you want to go into officer training or do anything else, then it's going to have to be, you know, you're going to have to be on the level even more. So I believe as long as any immigrant uh, wants to go, is talented enough to do that, I don't think there's many barriers for them to join the army as long as they're, as long as they're just as good as anyone else. Our army has great connections with many nations, and we take in all kinds of people, um, and we train people all over the world as well. So um, our army is, I think, one of the best in the world, although it's very small. But, you know, it's not about the size of what you have. It's what you do with it. (laughs) (laughs) That's classic. (laughs) Classic. Well, there's uh, and and I, I guess I generally on the surface agree with that assessment. And when when. Senator Dick Durbin made this statement. It's uh, on its surface. It sounds okay. It sounds acceptable. Um, but let's hear the clip. What troubles me about the debate now about the southern border is it is one half of the immigration equation. Yes, we need order at the border. Yes, we need to have changes in the laws that reflect the reality of the overwhelming numbers from all over the world who are coming to our our shores and our border. But there's also an incredible demand for legal immigration into this country even now. The presiding officer, my colleague from the state of Illinois, has legislation which addresses one aspect of that. Her bill, and I hope I describe it accurately, says that if you are an undocumented person in this country, and you can pass the physical and the required test, background test, the like. You can serve in our military, and if you do it honorably, we will make you citizens of the United States. Do we need that? Do you know what the recruiting numbers are at the Army and the Navy and the Air Force? They can't reach their quotas each month. They can't find enough people to join our military forces. And now, why would that be? Could that be because uh, they mandated experimental gene therapies uh, a, a few years ago for everyone in the military? Could it be because of uh, oh, the drag shows on base, the, the inference that diversity and uh, sexual deviancy? I don't really believe that (laughs) it seems to be more important than actual. I mean, not not to mention the fact that uh, Joe Biden and his uh, secretary of defense seem to be escalating every conflict that that arises around the the world. I mean, could could that 
possibly explain for the failure to meet recruitment quotas by the armed services? Now, you learned we, we took a little break there for a minute, but you learned that actually it is in Britain as it is in the United States and that you have to be a citizen. What about like a naturalized citizen? Were you able to find that out? You have to be a British-born citizen or you have to be a citizen of a Commonwealth nation. So technically, as an immigrant, you could be, but you have to be from a Commonwealth nation. So that would be like Australia or Canada or anywhere else. And, but there is a special, um, there's a special uh, designation for Gurkhas, which are a sp- like a special regiment of the army in India. So, um, and I've actually met some of them. They're highly talented people. Uh, so some people in India can be uh, part of the army as well. So. Well, and that speaks to the quality of, of the vetting process. And I think a lot of Americans are upset that this senator is, is proposing this because we know that there's no real interest in vetting the people that are coming into the country. Right. And it, I mean, he, he's right that legal immigration is necessary. One, like one of the biggest issues facing the populations of these countries. And as I'm explaining this, I'm wondering to myself why it is such an issue uh, considering how many people there are across the world, not just from country to country. But it's been proposed, I think, um, I think Elon Musk proposed that uh, we need a growth rate, a population growth rate of 2.1. And in, uh, in, in places that are facing dire population challenges like Japan, it's like 1.1. And it's, yeah, similar, it's in, similar in Italy and in uh, the United States, I think it's 1.6. But what oh, I don't really? understand is why these, how, how the immigrants help and, and why the immigrants are necessary to replace the populations in these countries. Like, why, why do we have to break it up from country to country? We're all, it, well, I mean, I know the answer. The answer is very nefarious. The answer is, oh, well, we want to have more people than they do. And, and I, I feel like we're going to find ourselves in a situation where uh, Africa is the superpower because all of these Uh, modern first world countries that have implemented all of these leftist cultural ideals are finding out shit. We shouldn't have killed so many babies in the womb because now we're not going to have a country that looks like the country we had a hundred years ago. Now we have to import all of these immigrants that uh, curiously enough, at least in the United States have uh, strong Catholic religious beliefs. And what's one of the things that Catholics are well known for? Having lots of babies. (laughs) But strong religious beliefs don't jive with the leftist culture. Which kind of uh, answers the question as to why they want to, the, the United States government wants to import so many immigrants from communist South American countries. Now, you've told me before on this show, I believe, 
mm. that most of the immigrants coming to the UK lean more conservative. Is that right? Oh, of course. Yeah. So it really does seem like we are climbing, trudging to victory in, in a oh, lot of like, ways. Yeah, it's like, well, you know, if you look at some of the most conservative nations, I mean, that's going to be some of the Middle Eastern nations, and that's what we import the most. Middle Eastern and Eastern European, and these are more conservative people. So, you know, if I was conservative, I'd be like, you know, I'd be like, hmm. Maybe I should appeal more to these these people that are going to be you know future voters in you know second and third generation because these are going to be more conservative that don't believe in LGBTQ and this that and the other they just don't believe in it you know they come from countries where like they'll just stone people for that so you know yeah and that that introduces a really interesting aspect to the equation because we don't want Sharia law we don't we don't want to go that far right. But that's what is happening in, I mean, not only in the UK, but also in the United States. And that's what is so alarming about this senator suggesting that we should put immigrants in the military because it's not widely reported. But some of the largest numbers of immigrants are Chinese nationals. Now, I want to believe that these people are fleeing the oppression of the Chinese Communist Party. But I don't believe that the Chinese Communist Party wouldn't send spies to infiltrate the United States through the southern border. I also don't believe that Iran and Afghanistan and Qatar and Saudi Arabia wouldn't also send spies through the southern border. And I don't trust that this Defense Department would properly vet these immigrants that they want to put in the military, especially not when you see this administration behaving in such strange ways when it comes to Muslim. Uh, <laughs> I meant to say Islam and the Muslim <laughs> populations. Because you have to see it in the UK. There's pro-Palestinian protests happening Everywhere in the UK and the United States. And now it's devolved into this mess with with the heads of universities at, at Harvard and Penn who are mm -hmm. refusing to condemn the, these these violent protests against Jewish students. And it's becoming it's becoming a real fucking shit show. Pardon my French. I, I just I can't believe that. And, and it's it's really interesting because. It's taken this polar, this left and right polarization, and it's, it's thrown everything back together. And now all of this strife has been created, and the polarity is changing because now a bunch of leftists, or, or I should say liberals, who are Jewish and pro Israel, are now sort of being forced onto the conservative, what was the conservative side of politics, you know, 10 minutes ago before October 7th happened mm. in, in Israel. And I, I mean, this is like one of the things, in my opinion, that is contributing to these sort of conservative victories is because now the left has kind of shown their ass in, in you know, some of the parlance of, of 
my other favorite podcasters because they see, oh, you guys are actually more fascist than you are socialist because you have immediately thrown in with the Islamo-fascists that want Sharia law everywhere. And these, these people are holding their rallies in New York saying, uh, we, want, uh, we want the caliphate in, in Israel. We, 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 don't, we don't want a two-state solution. We want a one-state solution that is Palestine. No Israel. We want to kill all the Jews. And it, it, was, it was almost like they... The establishment, the, the media masterminds, accidentally gave the bullhorn to the wrong people because these people yeah. are going out there and saying, no, we, we want to kill all the Jews. We don't want yeah, freedom I, for Gaza. We want freedom from Judah. Yeah, that's the thing. I think it's so funny because the media gets all fucked up because they can't imagine that two groups would hate each other that were both conservative it, they they can't wrap their heads around the fact that people from israel can be conservative and people from gaza or palestine can be conservative they constantly want to believe that there's this left right hatred okay but you had in the uk you had the english defense league which was a very right-leaning uh group that didn't want sharia law now that is sharia law is a very conservative way of life and the edl which are a bunch of like white skinhead dudes in the uk <laughs> are also a very conservative group they are two groups that don't like each other that that want to install their own conservative way of thinking and for the media that is so fucking weird because they have to somehow spin that as like well the edl group are a bunch of super far right leaning fuckers and they don't like like these really nice Muslim people that are like really kind and really everything. They have to they have to spin it like that. Whereas it's like, no, that's not what they're saying. They're saying they don't want Sharia law, which is like this mega conservative version or interpretation of the Quran, right? Yeah. Sharia law says we need to take the homosexuals, bury them in the ground up to their neck, and throw right. heavy stones at their head until they're dead. Yet we have. Uh, queers for Palestine protests happening in the United States. Yeah, so that that that's that, and that's why it fucks the media up so much because then you get someone coming out in the media that's from like Palestine or something and they go, nah, 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 you don't understand. We need to kill like all the Jews, and they'll say that, <laughs> and the media goes, wait, what? <laughs> wait, what? You guys are supposed to be the good guys. Um, so it's really, it's really like. Uh, it's really refreshing to see the media squirm under the own force of their inadequacy because really, oh man, you've got two conservative things, you know, butting up against each other. I'm sitting back with popcorn going, who's going to win? Um, because I don't care because they're all the way over in the Middle East. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and the media is making a complete fucking hash out of it because if you think about it, they, they can't win. Because ultimately, they want to have this like leftist, you know, utopia type winning situation where, <laughs> where you know, someone comes out on top and it looks like, you know, you know, fairies and rainbows, etc. Um, and that's just not the case. In this war, either Israel wins and completely annihilates Gaza, which is, uh, you know, conservative, super far right, uh, you know, win condition for them because they've eradicated 
you know, a whole like group of people, essentially, or the Palestine wins, in which case they eradicate all the Jews in Israel. And that's another, you know, conservative, really conservative far right uh, ending. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting one. I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing how they spin any win condition from this, because either way, it's so difficult for them to spin it in some kind of positive way. They end up having to find that one guy that talks about like, no, we don't want to kill all the Jews. We just want to kill some of them. <laughs> or no, we don't want to we don't want to kill the people in Gaza. We just want to kill the Hamas people. Whatever those people, whatever that group is, we just want to eradicate that group. And the media then goes, you see, they're not all bad. They just want to kill these people. They don't want to kill them all. <laughs> and, and that is just so funny to me. It's like, right, they're having to go as far as to justify the way in which they kill people, the way in which that ends up happening, rather than talking about the fact that they're killing people at all in the first place. Surely the whole point of it is to go, hey, look, can we fucking work this out diplomatically? Can we come to some kind of agreement? No. The whole idea is, well, you guys are shit. Yeah, here's the deal. Here, here's the deal. You let us kill everybody that we want to kill and then yeah. when we're done killing them we'll stop killing people deal right on <laughs> right on. yeah 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 new from cnn don't worry israel we'll only kill some of you and let the rest of you live because we're nice guys like that yeah here's the deal if you leave <laughs> we won't kill you but we'll probably yeah. still kill you and and that's i mean that's really my like where i struggle with islam and i'm not an expert but it does say in the Quran, if I'm remembering correctly, that, that, you know, jihad is the, the, the duty of, of all Muslims. And it's okay to lie and be deceitful to work into Western culture, to try to bring Islam to the entire world. So there's this level of deception that is sort of encouraged in, in, the religious texts and yeah so this creates this distrust for the for for everyone when it comes to dealing with muslims as oh are you one of the good ones or are you one of the deceptive ones that's going to kill me in my sleep yeah for sure and i think that that's why it's so important to have really you know, open discourse with, with many cultures, like whatever country you're in. You know, some countries don't have this problem. Um, you know, Sweden, which is constantly quoted by so many leftist outlets that Sweden is like this fucking paradise. And it's like, well, yeah, they, they have like 97% all the same fucking people. They all look the same. They yeah. all have the same education. Like they're all like the same people. They live off like fish. Like if, 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 if your entire population ate like salmon, yeah, sure. Everyone's going to be like six foot four, and they're going to look amazing and then they're never going to have any problems. But, you know, you look at America, you look at places like New York and London and Birmingham and Luton and Manchester and everywhere like that. Right. These are ginormous places where there's lots of different cultures all smashed together. And whenever you have that, you're going to have certain conflicts. And the only way you can really accomplish those conflicts is by having, you know, ways in which those people are forced to converse with each other and talk. Because that way, people end up understanding each other. They might not come to 
uh, a place where they agree with each other, but at least they understand the way that they want to live and leave each other alone. Hey, you do your thing. That's fine. I'm going to do mine and we're going to, you know, we can still be friends. But this whole idea that like we should somewhat like eradicate the way that they think or something, that is never going to work. Like if, if your idea of like getting someone on side is to immediately alienate someone, they are just going to become so much more radicalized than they were beforehand because you have become everything that they thought you were. And the same goes the other way. The same goes the other way. Like if some Muslim guy comes in and he goes, nah, fuck all you guys. It's like, well, yeah, you just become exactly what we see on TV where you wear some shit on your head and quote, you know, some dude like from some Bin Laden about the fucking Twin Towers. <laughs> so any time that I see, and this is why deplatforming is so fucking annoying because the more we talk to each other, the less bullshit happens. The more diplomacy that we have, it's just impossible for there to be conflicts because the more people talk, the less they are likely to um, think that someone else thinks something, right? That's one of the problems, which is like, well, I haven't talked to this person, but what I reckon they think about me is this. And you haven't talked to them about it at all, so you don't know. If someone says to your face, I don't like you very much, then that's whatever. But if, if most people in general that I speak to, and I speak to a lot of people online, I travel a lot, most people are just regular fucking people. The media would have you say otherwise. The media says, you are either this or you are either that. And they do that on purpose because, well, they want you to be outraged and they want you to click on articles that say, this guy who's like some radicalist went into a school and just slashed up a bunch of people. And that's, and that's what these people are like. And these innocent people got killed. And, and then that, you know, enrages you, right? So, but most people are just regular people. And I think if we talk together, you know, in a, in, a, in a decent way with very, very many cultures. Yes, we won't agree on everything, but for the most part, we won't start, you know, blowing each other up in the fucking street. And we have done that in the UK consistently over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Many cultures have come through the UK. We haven't had a, barely any major culture wars here in the UK. And still to this day, I don't believe there is one. We've had a few flare-ups with the EDL and some stuff like that. It's nothing. Nothing like, nothing like something like Israel and, and Palestine. You know, that is a massive scale. You know, um, fundamental cultural difference. They believe that they should eradicate each other based on their cultural beliefs. That is a completely different thing than what we're talking about. And so if you look at the Western model of what we've done, we've been able to take you from all over the world, right? and integrate yeah. them and make them part of our society and make them do as best as they can, right? If you look at all the CEOs of all American companies, you're not going to see all white guys anymore. That's just not the situation we have. But if you look at un other nations, all the leaders of the other nations, they're all going to be like ethnically the same as, as, as everyone else. They're not going to let anyone else in. That is just something that they do, just do not do as, as just a base level. China, you know, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, I could just name them forever, right? So I think that we do need to sometimes take our hats off and say we've done a pretty decent job of integrating people and we have to expect that there is going to be some issues, but there are some obvious answers to those issues um, by just, uh, yeah, by just hanging out, man. That's, well, that's my belief anyways. It's, it's the effort, like, like Western culture. Love it or hate it. We're inviting immigrants and saying, come on, do your thing. Like, you don't have to do. I mean, and a lot of people on the right will be like, you, you're coming to this country. You better learn the language. You're, you know, <laughs> love, you can get out. 
you know, just a ridiculous yeah. standard. I mean, I, I do think you should be able to communicate if you're going to immigrate. I mean, I wouldn't immigrate to another country if I had no concept of the language. So I can understand that argument. But for the most part, the narrative, the cultural narrative for immigrants is, yeah, come do your thing. We're not going to force you to believe what we believe and, and behave how we behave culturally because you're, and you're an immigrant and you have your own culture. But that is not the case. That is not the argument from Islam. Islam seeks to create a caliphate around the world. And that's right. not to say every Muslim wants to do that. I, I think a lot of Muslims, at least, or especially Western Muslims, would like to just practice their religion and be left alone. But the extremists yeah, sure. want to see Sharia law. They want to see one world's Islamic religion. And that's why Dick Durbin the senator from Illinois suggesting that we invite these people into our military is so alarming because we don't, we, we can't trust them. It's just the reality of the situation. Not only can we not trust these people to fully commit themselves to being dedicated American soldiers, but also we can't trust the Department of Defense to identify and ban Muslim extremists or Chinese spies from joining the military. And the problem there is not that they're going to go over to Ukraine and be killed by Russian soldiers, but that they're going to turn their weapons on Americans who aren't down with the this veer to the left that American culture is taking because I see these, I see all of these things connecting. Uh, for example, this uh, issue that they're having with, with funding the government in the house of representatives with poor Mike Johnson, I really feel for him because the added, so, so uh, one of the things is the uh, uh, foreign intelligence surveillance courts also referred to as FISA because of the Foreign Intelligence Survey, uh, Surveillance Act, F-I-S-A, FISA. Conservatives didn't want to renew that because they consider it to be illegal spying on the American public, which it is. However, the director of the FBI and the other directors of intelligence agencies come to Mike Johnson and say, hey, because this border is, uh, this southern border is wide open and all of these terrorists have been coming into our country. If you end this surveillance act, we're going to get attacked by terrorists. And we know that even if the FBI had the foresight and the preparedness to stop a terrorist attack, well, they might just let it happen. And why would they maybe just let it happen? Well, to further the leftist agenda. I mean, it's been reported time and time again that these mass shooters that are ravaging our country, oh, well, they were on the FBI watch list, yet somehow they were allowed to purchase a gun, continue owning a gun, and take said gun to a school where they kill a bunch of kids. But Mike Johnson has to make a decision. Am I going to scrap the FISA Act 
and allow the FBI to, uh, for all intents and purposes, carry out a terrorist attack on American soil and take the full blame for that? Or am I just going to let it go and hope that I can salvage my, my reputation in, in other ways? And it's the same thing with the, uh, the aid to Ukraine. It's the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, scumbag, was recently on record or, or on uh, an open microphone saying that if the House of Representatives doesn't approve billions more for Ukraine, their uh, uncles and fathers and sons are going to go die in Ukraine at the hands of Russian soldiers. So basically, you give us the money or we're going to kill a bunch of kids. And it's It's outrageous. What 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 choice do you have? What choice do you have in that situation? And this is the way American politicians are playing the game. Yeah, it's so annoying. It's just like the SMP saying, if you don't vote for us, then, you know, that's not a vote for independence. They do that fucking guilt trip thing. Well, it's and it's that's the, that's the campaign slogan. I believe you you believe this one thing, which signals to me that you believe all of these other things. You're a Trump supporter, so that means like, how do you identify a Trump supporter? But he's he's wearing a a red MAGA hat, or he says that he's a Trump supporter. What if he's lying? What if I mean it's it's like the the whole January sixth debacle which is quickly being revealed to be another operation of, of the, the FBI and the CIA because of all the informants that were in the crowd and have been identified, all of the people that committed all of the atrocities that other people have spent years in prison for that are, for some reason, not being charged. Like, we know that these institutions are capable of horrific things. So, so what do you do? If, if, you're, if you're Speaker Mike Johnson and you're faced with this debacle, what is your, what is your course of action? I mean, they, they have the power of the purse so they can take all of this money away. But then the FBI just makes him pay for it by either allowing or facilitating terrible things to happen and then pointing to Mike Johnson and saying, this is your fault. Do you just let it happen and, and cut, off, cut off the head and, and just let whatever happens happens? Or do you allow yourself to look like a fool in, in the media and, and look like, I see so many people going, oh, Mike Johnson was a mistake. We should have we never made him speaker. But this is politics. And this is, these are the same kind of things that Donald Trump was dealing with through, through his entire administration for which he gets dragged all the time. Why did you yeah. appoint this person? Why did you do think, this thing? I think if it's me, like, I'm just going to take the L in the press anyways, because e- e- either way, the press is going to make you like a dickhead. Definitely. Like, they're always going to just, they're, yeah, they're, uh, they're always going to find something to fuck you over with. So you, you may as well just do what you think is right. Nailed it. Visit Vox404.com. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Follow me uh, on Twitter at EarthVox or, or X, 
Pardon me. But if you go to Twitter.com, <laughs> you can follow me. God, at- it's so confusing, isn't it? Well, and I, so I, but I sent you that link, right? Uh, earlier, uh, earlier this week, we, we didn't get to it, but the link itself says x.com. But then when you click on it, the URL in your, in your browser bar says Twitter. How does he even, how he pulls that off, I have no idea. But oh, you can, I, know, I know how to do it. All right, it's go for it. very simple. Oh, you basically just have a, uh, uh, just a, just a link translator, basically. It just, it just copies over the, um, it just changes the domain. So it's the same exact link. So oh, so it's it like... It starts off with X.com, and then it goes through, and then redirects you to Twitter with the exact same slash whatever. Redirect. So it's super, Clever. super, super, super simple. All right, well, so... Uh... <laughs> My, my quality control people hate it when we interrupt the, the, the outro, but deal with it, <laughs> all right? <laughs> Vox404.com is where you go. At EarthVox is where you follow, follow on uh, Twitter, which is where we're, uh, we're blowing up currently. It's a happy, uh, a happy thing. And yeah, great. Uh, that was so articulate. Follow, uh, <laughs> follow my co-host at 404 missing underscore link. And if you'd like to interact with us and uh, get into our Discord server, join the community, you can send an email to therealearthbox at protonmail.com. Yeah, another strong one for this Wednesday. I'm feeling good today. I was feeling very angry for some reason uh, with a lot of stuff I was saying, but uh, I really appreciate you guys listening in this, uh, this weekend. I highly recommend you go to the last episode because... That shit was really, really hot. Lots of talk about AI, and we've got into super depth about quantum computers. Really cool if you're into that, so please go check that out. We will talk to you soon.